everyone, and welcome to In the Know with Kat Bobino. Today, my extra special guest is Dr. Delk, who is an associate professor in the Department of Biological Sciences at our sciences at the University of Texas as Dallas and the Assistant VP for Research Development. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> and so break that down for us. What does that mean? What do you do? Yes. So as you mentioned, I am an associate professor. So what that means is I'm at a university. Um, I happen to be a research professor. So I, in addition to teaching classes, I also have my own research lab. Um, and my lab studies cancer. We study the effects of inflammation on cancer progression and treatment resistance. So that's part of my job as being an associate professor. I'm also tenured. I'm a tenured uh, professor. And um, I sit on uh, committees and uh, uh, do service at the university. And um, I was recently appointed back in September, the assistant vice president for research development for the university. So that's also another uh, job that I have um, working in our office of research, um, helping to not only what's great about that job is not only am I now just focused on my research, but being AVP, I also get to help other folks with their research, help support other people on campus that are doing really cool research. Well, that's amazing. So um, we're gonna, that's a lot. You you do a lot under your, your plate or you have a lot on your plate and that's, that's just amazing. Um, so cancer research, what do you do in terms of that type of research? Yeah, so at an what's cool about being at an academic institution is that there's this idea, we call it academic freedom. So I get to study the things that interest me. And my grandmother died from cancer when I was nine. And it was at that point I said, oh, I'm going to cure cancer when I grow. Very naive statement for a nine-year-old kid to make, but that, that was where, where my heart has been um, all my life. And so um, I get to study cancer, get to study the thing that I've, that I've always wanted to do. And I doing this at an academic institution, what, what my interest is, is inflammation, I'm focusing on the effects of inflammation on cancer. So I do that with I don't do that myself. I do that with a group of really, really, really talented graduate students and undergraduate um, students at the university. So that's also what's really great about doing research in an academic environment is you get to, to um, work with amazing students that are also passionate about what you're doing and training them and mentoring up them at the same time. So they're the folks I always say that are doing the heavy lifting. So it it is my lab. I direct what we're doing. Um, uh, I manage, you know, I'm, I'm mentoring the students. I'm helping them uh, with their thesis projects that they're coming, you know, coming up with and um, overseeing what they're doing, helping them interpret their data. But the really heavy lifting is done by the students. So, um, so yeah, so that's what we're in the lab. My lab is a basic science lab. So that means that we do, we're focused on what's happening inside of the cell. So I don't, I don't um, work with mice. I'm not killing poor little mice or anything like that. So we look at we we do our experiments in what's called in vitro or cell culture. So we grow the cancer cells in a tissue culture dish and then we investigate what's happening at the cellular level inside of the cell. And really, that basic knowledge is important because that's what leads to drug design. That's that would lead is what leads to us understanding how the disease works. And then you eventually can translate that into um, into therapies. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot. Whew, let's digest it. I'm sorry to hear about <laughs> your mother. Um, and I think that that's amazing that you chose your path at nine and you continued down that pathway. You know, a lot of times I have people on here who think they want to do one thing in high school, maybe junior high, but by the time they go to college, it changes. Not too many people stick with the plan and you stuck with the plan. So I will tell you, interestingly enough, it my, I have probably probably the most indirect path to doing what I'm doing. So I knew at nine I wanted to do. And what I what I think is important about that, this is why it's super important that we catch kids early yes. um, and, and catch them at elementary school. We do put a lot of focus on high school students. Um, less, I think so on middle school and, and even less on elementary kids, 
but I think a lot of folks, a lot of kids are sort of decide what they want to do or decide if they think science is what they want to do when they're in elementary school. And, and so I'm an example of that, of someone at nine in elementary school that was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. The thing about it is I didn't have any um, scientists in my family. And so I did, I knew I wanted to be a, I knew I wanted to cure cancer, but I didn't know that meant I was going to be a scientist. I didn't know exactly what that meant. It, right. And so um, I actually got my degree in math. Um, and the reason I got my degree in math is, it, it, and I um, went to Georgetown for undergrad from the East Coast. So the reason I got my degree in math is because it was the only way I was going to be able to pay for college. So um, the at the time, you know, my parents couldn't afford to send me to school. We didn't have a college fund or anything like that set aside. Um, and uh, I was a nerd in high school. I was a cool nerd, though, because I was, you know, on the dance team and the cheerleader and I ran track and all that kind of stuff. I was a cool nerd, but I was very much a nerd. And so that got I had a great counselor when I was in high school. And so he um, got me in touch with the ROTC, uh, junior ROTC um, colonel at our high school. And so even though I didn't do ROTC when I was in high school, you can still actually get an ROTC scholarship for those. So for those um, high school kids that are out there that are looking for a way to pay for college, um, even if you did not do um, ROTC when you were in high school, you can still do it in college. And so that was the scholarship I ended up getting. Now, I say I got the degree in math. I was pretty much guaranteed. They said we can guarantee, pretty much guarantee you that you will get the scholarship if you agree to get your degree in math. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll get I'll get a degree in math, right? Because I got to pay for school. So right. um, so I got my degree in math and um, then I had to go into the service. So when you finish college, you have to, if you do go on an ROTC scholarship, you do have to pay them um, back four years for paying for you to go to school. You go in as an officer. So I went in as a, a lieutenant and I got stationed at the Air Force Research Lab. And the, the thing about that is um, I'm from the East Coast. I wanted to stay on the East Coast. And at the time, the way it works in ROTC, your senior year, they give you this big book and you go through the big book and you like point out like jobs you want, right? Things that they think you would be able to do. So um, and then they give you your orders of where you're going to go. So I was sitting in the classroom next to another uh, cadet. And he wanted to move. He had he didn't want to stay on the East Coast. He had got orders to go to Maryland. I got orders to go to Texas. I was like, I don't want to go to Texas, right? My family's on the East Coast. I'm an East Coast girl. What, what am I doing going to Texas? But my mm -hmm. orders were to go to Texas. And I said, okay. And he wanted to switch with me. He's like, well, let's switch. You, uh, you go to Maryland. I'll go to Texas. And I almost switched with him. And, and something told me, God, God said, no, Nikki, this is where I want you to go. You, you are to go to Texas. Mm -hmm. I go to Texas reluctantly, but I end up at the Air Force Research Lab. That is where that was the first time in my life being there that I ever heard of a biomedical scientist. So I said, oh, that's what I can do. That's how I can do cancer research. I'll become a biomedical scientist. Right. I have this math degree. Mm -hmm. I'll become a biomedical scientist and then that will let me cure cancer. Right. Like since I wanted to do since I was a kid. So I had gone from, you know, nine years old, wanting to be a cancer something. Right. To getting the degree <laughs> in math to then going to the Air Force Research Lab, being stationed at this lab, finding out there's this thing called biomedical science. I had no biology background. I had no chemistry background. So I went to school at night. So while I was would work, you know, be Lieutenant Delk in the day and then I go to I went to community college, um, St. Phillips, which is a historically black um, community college in San Antonio. And then I also enrolled in UTSA, took classes at night so that I could have the prerequisites needed for graduate school. Got out of the service, went to graduate school at Rice in Houston and mm -hmm. did not study cancer because they did not have a. Um, <laughs> cancer program at the time, I studied plants. So I actually got my degree in plant molecular biology. Okay, and okay. it was fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. Um, I learned a lot of genetics. 
Um, most of the techniques that I do in my lab now were techniques I learned in that lab studying plant biology. Yeah. So then finally, I end up at uh, uh, doing cancer research. After I get my PhD, I end up at MD Anderson Cancer Center. Finally, end up doing cancer research and then eventually end up here in tech or at UT Dallas with my own lab. So it was not a direct path. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. No, it was not. Um, I'm just going to say this reminder, we are live on Facebook and YouTube. If you have questions, comments, please put them in the chat. I see the Black Math Academy has been going in in the chat. So hello to you. I think you answered the question, which was your specific field. Um, loving the fact that you're a math degree and from DC, you know, and true to form. If they're giving money away, take it. Absolutely. If you can find uh, uh, any type of way to go to college and have it be paid for, I am here for it. I think that yeah. is the best way to do it, especially the cost of college at this time. That's right. If you can find any, inter not internships, any grants, scholarships, things like that, or someone like ROTC who's going to pay for the whole thing, do it. Yeah. Um, so he asks, so you study oncology. Are you familiar? I'm, I'm going to mess up her name. Dr. Uh, Trishette Jackson, who has a math degree and uses math to study how math spreads. Is it math spreads or disease spread is what I'm going to assume. I'm not familiar. Um, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm not familiar with her. What what university is she at? Is she a current scientist or? I'm sure. I'm sure he's gonna put that in there. Um, yeah. Then he <laughs> talking about plant biology, osmosis, mitochondria, photosynthesis. <laughs> yeah, I remember that uh -huh. when I took that uh -huh. class. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, he said he said how cancer spreads. What school is she at? Is she at a school? Is the question. Um, but yeah, as we wait for him to answer that, that is, well, that goes back to what I said, you know, you knew at nine, but the pathway was kind Not of right. roundabout to get very, to this point. Very roundabout. But, but I will tell you roundabout, but, um, it was God's plan for me. Right. So every, so the thing about having the math degree is I learned how to think logically which helped me be a scientist. Being in the mm. military, I was a program manager, so that helped me to be a great manager and be able to run my own lab. So every step along the way, going into the plant lab, I learned genetics, I learned molecular biology, all the tools we use now in my lab right now. And so, um, and how I, how I approach problems is from what I learned studying um, uh, molecular plant molecular biology. So every step along the way was preparing me for what I'm doing right now. That's dope. That is dope. Yeah. And, and you never know. I mean, that's one of those things where being open minded about the classes you're taking or the research you might do or an internship, you never know where things can land. I mean, I've yeah. been to University of Connecticut. I've been to I went to Stillman College in Alabama. I've done research at University of Alabama. But, you know, there's um, so many different pathways to get to where you need to be and what you're yeah. what you're supposed to be doing which is amazing work that you're doing and to have your own lab you know not everyone decides to go back to academia and to yeah. have their own lab so this is a way for you to almost give back for students to see you you know i have every color and gender on here but i'm always rooting for everybody black <laughs> and for you to be that face for students to see doing research, I think that that speaks volumes of who you are and what you do. Um, so he said she's at the University of Michigan, a professor. I to, okay, I have to look her up. Yeah. Yeah, God's plan or God placing things in your path to follow your plan. You yes. know, yes. I, think, I think that's a great, you know what? Um, it's interesting you should say that about placing. I think you have to take opportunities. I tell this to students when I give talks sometimes, and that goes back to the placing things in, in your path, because something can be placed in your path and you can ignore it. And I think mm -hmm. one of the things I've always done is um, I ask a ton of questions and I take opportunities when I when they are presented to me. So probably 
what the ladder of what um, that um, a person put in the chat about God placing things in your path to follow. Um, yeah, I, I think it is more of a, an active process for sure. Yes, that yeah, that was Lim. He called you black events, which is great. Yes, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I tell you back back to that. Like I asked a lot when I was at the Air Force Research Lab. I asked a ton of questions to just. I, I would go and talk to the um, physicians there and the scientists there to ask them how did how are you doing what you what you do. What does it mean? This is the other thing too. So. I have my PhD. A lot of people don't necessarily know this. You don't have to have your master's degree to get your doctorate. Um, mm -hmm. You can go straight through, right? And those are things I didn't know. Like I thought, okay, I have to get my master's and then transition to PhD, but you can go straight through. And that was what, that's the kind of information I got talking to the, the folks that were at the Air Force Research Lab about what they do. And it just, you know, just sort of prepare me for grad school. Yes, yes. A lot of people don't know that. You can get your master's while you're getting your PhD, if you so choose. But yeah, you mm -hmm. do not need your master's to get a PhD. You can go straight through, go into yep. your research and do it that way, which yep. a lot of people do. Some people do, some people yep. don't. But you know, you have that opportunity. Um, so the Black Math Academy is blown away that you have your own lab, says we need our own research facility, our own R&D. <laughs> <laughs> department to make a think tank. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. You know, it would be amazing for Black people to have their own, like, research and development, their own lab. Um, well, I, I think you should make that happen. Yeah, I'll tell you, Twitter and social media has facilitated a lot of um, um, coming together of Black scientists. So, on Twitter, there are a lot of hashtags. So, there's... Mm -hmm. um, Blacks in cancer. I think there's blacks in neuro. There's a lot of these. Um, so there, there is a lot of coming together through that. Collaborations are formed, and the key is, you know, we may not be able to have necessarily our own facility, but getting jobs at academic institutions that have the infrastructure for us to be able to do the research that we're interested in. That's a really important thing too. Um, I couldn't do what I was doing if I didn't have UT Dallas, right? And have the lab at UT Dallas. They're the ones that have the infrastructure, gave me my startup package so I could start by, by my microscopes and plate readers and all the things I needed, and tissue culture hoods and all those, those kinds of things so that I can do the research that I'm interested in and the research that I think is important for our community. Right, that, yes. Um, and he asked if you were an athlete. She said she ran track uh, <laughs> and cheerleaded. So, so let me tell you, I am a dancer, but let me let me preface that with I am a dancer for hobby, hobby. Um, and and actually, uh, I don't know if we'll get to this later, Kat, but I'll go ahead and bring it up right now is um, I started an, an initiative called Arts for Science that you can follow on Instagram. Um, and it is a initiative I started as a way to get information out about my lab, but also to raise money for um, my outreach, STEM outreach uh, passions. One is getting more African-American kids into the lab in the summertime to get research experience. So the reason I bring that up is the arts and the arts for science is dance and music and, and, and fine arts and that sort of thing. And so um, because of my love for dance, that's where the idea was sparked um, to start this arts for science. So I had, I started it in 2021 I had a um, art auction event. So I have friends in the fine arts community. So they donated pieces for art auction, but it was a whole event where we had um, dancers perform, singers perform. So um, some friends of mine have dance companies. So they perform. Another friend of mine is an amateur singer. She performed. So um, one of my students is a dancer. She performed. So it was like a whole event um, that raised money um, for outreach. And this past year, we had a gala, fancy schmancy gala, um, that the performing art part of that was a live band called Smooth Noise. They performed. And then, of course, we, we had the art auction. So um, I wasn't, a, you know, like a athlete in the traditional sense. I mean, I ran, I ran track, but my legs are so short. I actually, they put me on the hurdles, which is like the worst. And I knocked every single one of them over because I'm only five feet tall. But um, I wasn't the best 
like that kind of athlete, but dance is really my passion. But I am not, I, I have friends that are legit real dancers that dance for companies. I do it as a hobby, but it is something that's very near and dear to my heart. All right, it took me a minute to get this up for some reason because it did not want to show. But here is some information about Arts for Science. Yes. I'm going to leave it up for just a sec, um, just so you guys can get the information off of there if you so choose. I think that that's amazing that what you're doing. And <laughs> I ran track too, but I was super slow. I didn't get no scholarship for that. It was, I did it to stay in shape while in college. I should have stayed doing it, but you know, whatever the case. It is, yeah. but that I think track is a fun, fun thing to do. Um, so Lim says, you know, the only question unasked is the only stupid question is the one that's not asked. Right. And shout out to my college roommate Shalia. She was texting me while we were doing this because she couldn't get on Facebook, but she got on YouTube. So thank you for joining us. Um, and Lim asked, you know, how do you get funding for your research? I'm, I'm assuming yeah. for your research. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we write grants and write grants and write grants and write grants and write grants. So what, what initially happens when you, if you get a um, faculty position at an academic institution, you're given a startup package. And that startup package is what you use to do all your initial experiments, buy your equipment, that sort of thing. Then that, that money runs out. It has, a, it has an expiration date on it. It also runs out. So you have to then, um, one of my friends who's a professor in Atlanta, she says we're, we're professional fundraisers because we really do have to go out and raise money for our lab. So we write grants to the NIH, DOD, for me, American Cancer Society. Um, and so that that's what you do. And you just keep writing and keep writing and you build a thick skin because you get rejected and you get rejected and you get rejected and you get rejected and you keep writing. Eventually, um, someone will fund you, but you have to keep that. All, that money is always um you know, it's it's a limited amount of money. It eventually runs out and you just have to, to keep your lab going. You have to keep writing grants. The reason that the one of the reasons I did start Arts for Science, I was saying is to get the word out about my lab, because um, I've also done crowdfunding for my lab and I have a giving page um, set up through the university for my lab. So I I'm one of those people that does things a little bit unconventionally. I still do the traditional grant writing, but I also go out to the public directly. Um, and I do that through Arts for Science to try to raise money for the lab. Yes. So make sure you share this video or if you're listening as a podcast, share it because we want to make sure that we are supporting people <laughs> doing amazing things out there in STEM, such as Dr. Doe. You know, we always want to support that type of yeah. stuff. Um, so Black Math Academy is like, I tell students, hang out with people who are smarter than you. Build that community. I do that to this day at my age. I still seek people who are smarter than me in places that, you know, I could even dream, I, I dream of being in or tables I want to have a seat in, you know, and I reach out to them. Yeah. That's what LinkedIn is for. That's what Twitter is for. Make sure you reach out to these people who are doing the things you want to do or you have an interest in. Nine times out of 10, especially in STEM, they want to talk to you. They want to share their story. They want to Net, you know, help the next generation get to where they need to be. So all it is is about sending that message on any, pretty much any social media. But I say LinkedIn and Twitter is probably the best. Yeah. So, and uh, hi, Candice, see you. Uh, you said the Black Math Academy. I like that plan of yours too. use those already established facilities to get gamed up. Right. <laughs> then you can build your own, your own if you want to. Um, do they ever tell you why they're rejecting you? For yes, grants? yes. And this is where the thick skin comes in because not only do you get rejected, but they tell you why they reject you. And and in all fairness, um, the money is actually limited. And, and what, it's so interesting because it's so counterintuitive that cancer to get funding for cancer research would be hard, but there are so many great um, labs out there doing research and we're all applying for the same pots of money. So there's something called a pay line, and that is the percentage of grants that actually will get funded. And the pay line for National Cancer Institute right now is like seven per, or 8%. So that means 8% of grants are gonna get funded, um, that they have the money to fund 8% of grants that are, you know, overall that are submitted. So, um, so it's not that you're rejected because your science isn't good. It's just, it's so many people doing great science that 
they, you know, they're going to nitpick on every little thing. Um, and that's why, and, and what you end up doing part of that thick skin, you get your comments back. So it'll, it'll go through a scientific review. There's a panel of scientists that review your grants. So I've sat on panels, we call them study sections. So I've sat on study sections before myself and they review and it, it just, your grant gets torn apart and you submit something you're thinking, what's wrong with what I did? It's such great. It'll get torn apart. It'll get nitpicked. And then you resubmit it with their, you know, making the changes that they suggest. And then it'll get torn apart and it'll get nitpicked again. And then you resubmit it and you just keep resubmitting until eventually it'll get in the hands of a study section that'll like it and submit it. But they do tell you why. Right. And uh, it also depends on the amount of money you're asking for. So yeah. it goes to like certain review boards, you know, smaller amount of money. It's a smaller review. But if you're asking for millions, they're going <laughs> to nitpick and tear it apart and make sure you know they're gonna ask you exactly where the money is going like yeah line for line yeah where is this money so <laughs> i um there are some amazing people out there who are grant writers yes i'm yes. not one of them yes <laughs> you're right some you people are. are really good at writing grant like they have it there are classes this is this is how competitive the game is is that you can take classes on how to write a grant right so it's not just there's a there's the art to grant writing, right? So even if you have this fantastic science, there's an art to how you sell it to the study section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's people who make their money just mm -hmm. on writing grants for mm -hmm. everyone else because they write themselves in there <laughs> and they're really good at it. So you know, if you find those people, yeah. they're great to have in your corner. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I have two questions that are kind of the same. So from Danielle and Black Math Academy. Um, so Danielle asks, are there any new findings or specific cancer subjects you're researching? And the Black Math Academy asks, what has been results of your cancer research or others yeah. you know? Yeah. So what we, I was saying before, what we look at is inflammation. Specifically, what we look at is a molecule called interleukin-1. Um, and the... Um, let me see. So, so we call cancers tumor or, or wounds that will not heal. That's what, what cancer is typically thought of. So what happens is if you're developing a cancer, your body's immune system attempts to fight it. And so mm -hmm. your immune cells will actually attack the cancer cells, will attack that tumor. The problem is cancer cells are able to usurp the anti-tumorigenic effects of that the the immune cells and actually use them to survive so one of the molecules that we study that is technically supposed to kill the cancer cells is interleukin one and actually it can help promote um growth of the tumor so we're studying like i said we look at what happens inside of the cell and so some of the findings that have come from my lab are the effects of interleukin one on hormone receptors in breast cancer and prostate cancer, the effects of um, interleukin-1 on a process um, called autophagy, so an autophagy-related protein. Um, we are now studying chronic inflammation, so we did a lot of initial work looking at acute effects of interleukin-1. Now we focus on chronic effects because acute inflammation is anti-tumorigenic, while chronic inflammation is pro-tumorigenic. So we've moved our focus um, to that. Um, and we are looking at, we're starting to look at something called epigenetics. So um, mm. what is really interesting to me about cancer cells is that they can, I, I use the term tell time. So they're able to distinguish between an acute assault by the interleukin protein and a chronic assault by the interleukin protein. And that's temporal. So that means somehow these cells are telling time is the way I think about it. And that has to do with a, a process called epigenetics. So that's what we're focusing on, starting to focus on now. Yes. And I think epigenetics has been a, a buzzword as of lately, mm -hmm. but a lot of people doing more and more research on that. So that's really yeah. cool. Um, and so, hey, so she, I see you girl. Hey, she said she's interested in learning about chronic inflammation. Um, how do you recruit for your research among minorities? This is from Shalia. I know in the literature, there's a lack of research subjects of color. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. So we, um, I, if they're talking about research subjects, are they talking about um, 
clinical trials and that sort of thing? Or are they talking about people doing research? I can address both. Let's we'll, we'll address. Both. Okay, yeah, so, let's go that so, direction. Um, in terms of people getting recruiting people into the STEM fields to do research, that's something that I'm passionate about doing. That's where my arts for science comes in. In terms of recruiting people for my lab to do research in my lab, um, when students apply to the graduate program, they do rotations, and um, we figure out if it's a good fit. Undergraduates will send you an email: Can I come do research in your lab? Um, if I have space, I say yes. Um, in terms of minority students, it really just depends on the institution. I'm at a, um, a, a I guess, a PW, PWI, so to speak. We, it's a really large international population at my university, but um, there aren't a lot of, for example, African-American students. I do um, get a lot of, because as being a Black professor, I do get a good, a good number of African-American students that are here um, coming into the lab or doing rotations in the lab. Um, and then through my arts for science program, I bring in African-American high school kids into the lab. So that's just sort of doing your part towards it. In terms of subjects for clinical trials, historically, Black folk don't trust scientists and physicians. And so it is hard getting, um, getting us to participate in clinical trials. That is why there needs to be more Black folk in STEM because mm -hmm. it would be, you'd have a better chance of getting an underrepresented minority to participate in a clinical trial if they trust the people doing the study. Um, the other thing too, just it, it, it's, so, so it also has to do with access. So if you're in, it was one university that I had um, some dealings with one time um, and they were in a more rural area in the South. Mm -hmm. And so they had, more, for example, patient tissue from African-Americans because of their location. So if you're not in an area that it has concentrated um, black folk, then you may, you know, you may have less or maybe doesn't have access to the hospital that's doing the studies, um, then, then that would be a problem in terms of recruiting. But I think the first step is getting more of us in, in medicine and in STEM. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. You know, it's the one of the big things that I push, of course, is getting students, especially students of color, to consider STEM, to take a class in STEM, to be open minded about STEM and just see what you can do with this podcast. I've been able to interview people in jobs I didn't even know existed, you know, or entrepreneurship opportunities that I didn't know existed. And if I didn't know, and I'm doing a show about it, I know kids don't know and parents don't know. Uh, but it's it's very important to highlight people like you, highlight careers that you're doing, other people are doing, because we need to be there. And as a Black woman who has gone to the doctor and knows the doctor is looking at me differently than they are looking at maybe their white subjects and saying things that are different to me, like, oh, that's not painful or, you know that pain is because you're overweight according to our white chart of what weight should be. Mm -hmm. um, it, it happens and we need more people like us to go into these fields, but not only go into the fields, take a hand back and help someone else go into these yeah. fields. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. And so I will get off my soapbox <laughs> about that. No, yeah, I'm, with, we, I'm we, with you on that. Kat, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so Danielle said, Black folk mistrust has also led to low level of much needed blood donations. Yeah. You guys' effort will definitely enhance awareness. Yes, you know, Black people, we don't want to give our blood away. We don't give our plasma <laughs> away. We don't, <laughs> we don't want to give anything away, especially to medicine and science sometimes. And that's also because we hear the horror stories. Right. We, we hear done to slaves. The father of OBGYN did terrible research on his slaves. Mm -hmm. um, we know- uh, Sterilization project. project. Sterilization. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All, All of that, that. even yeah. to this day yeah. with COVID vaccine. Yeah. Right? Black people did not want to get that COVID vaccine. Nope. <laughs> I personally waited until a lot of white people in my area got it. I wanted to see if they had side effects. Since they didn't, I was like, okay. I'll go do it. But, you know, and I have a two-year-old, so I needed to do yeah. it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's trauma and fear that has a lot of basis behind it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and they've done terrible things to Black people, but they've done it to Hispanic people. They've done it to just people of color. And they've, they've even done it to themselves. But um, that's why we need to ask questions, like you said, get knowledgeable about what's going on and make sure that we are going to those that we can trust mm-hmm. or, I hate to say it again, being open-minded to what people are doing. Ask the questions. You don't have to give your blood right away, but just ask questions and maybe give your blood in a week or two, you know? Yeah. To and, get your questions. And, and I will say because of the atrocities, you know, dating back to what that probably is as early as maybe the 70s, maybe it was around the 70s, maybe 60s, 70s, when they started putting in um, programs in place. So, for example, to get federal funding, you have to go through things like IRB. So these are institutional review boards. So if you're doing any type of trials that involve humans, they are rigorously vetted before um, before they're allowed. So those kinds of things that happened in the past probably are not happening. I, I don't know of any stories personally of those kinds of things happening now. I've sat on IRB and talk about getting the things get picked apart. Just, okay, you know, things that you wouldn't even think of. There's somebody on the board that considers, um, and it doesn't even necessarily have to do with minorities or non-minorities. It just may be like, okay, if the patient's going to do this, is it going to make them uncomfortable? Or, you know, just just things like that, you know, when COVID came along, all the COVID protocols that were put into place. So, you know, um, things are people, the way people think generally speaking, I mean, there's always going to be bad apples, but the way people think generally in the science community um, nowadays, it very much is uh, subject subject centric to where they're not going to mm-hmm. risk um risk risk the you know risk the subject now i can't speak for the medical field um Mm -hmm. i'm with you kat on sometimes feeling like you know um you may not get the same kind of treatment um depending on your who your physician is um but i can say in the research world we are very much cognizant of of um ethics you know when it comes to the kind of, of research you're doing Right. Absolutely. And um, one thing that I want to highlight, I I don't think I've ever mentioned on this show, but you brought up IRB. And before we went live, we were talking about New Zealand and geology. But if if you're working with something that's not alive, it's easy. There's like no red tape. (laughs) Work with geology, boom, done. But if you start working with anything alive, there's a little red tape for insects. Then it gets to bigger tape for reptiles (laughs) and bigger tape and then the biggest tape for yeah. humans. Yeah. So, you know, that's what it happens when you do research. The more red blood celled or uh, hot blooded or whatever you want to call yeah. it, the more tape there the is. The more tape there is. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> and so the Black Academy says with your plant background, uh-huh. are plants effective when it comes to combating cancer compared to pills and chemo? Interestingly enough, these pills and chemo, um, uh, especially chemo, is derivative of plant products. So, um, yes. Uh, um, And we are there are definitely studies into things like um, curcumin and and I think turmeric and and some of these natural products um, in their potency as as um, anti-cancer agents. Awesome. Yes. Um, Danielle said plasma from blood donations is important to science. Yes, it is. Uh, Black Math Academy says, I have to ask, what math do you use day to day with your work? Statistics. So we we um, research. Uh, I'm very adamant in my lab about our research being reproducible. So we do mul- what we call biological replicates, multiple biological replicates when we do experiments and you do stats on those to see if it's statistically significant. It's a lot of statistics. Um, we also do sequencing. So I work with bioinformaticians who are who are uh, statisticians and have strong math backgrounds and coding, computer coding backgrounds, because um, there's a lot of data produced in science now. And th- so there, we need people to mine that data and make sense of it. And so math is very important for that. But I don't do that math. The biostatisticians do it and bioinformaticians do it. Yeah. 
I know that y'all are math people, but that just makes me like cringe a bit. <laughs> I, I, I did good in math. But once you start doing into bioinformation and statistics, biostatistics, I'm like, whoo, this is over my well, head. Look, I'd rather. <laughs> let me tell you something. Excel, they have programs. You throw your data into yeah. Excel and you throw it into, I think it's ANOVA. They'll, they'll, it'll pop the graphs out with you with the error bars and everything. So give me the key values on all of it. Yeah. Yes. Very, very true. Very true. I will, I give you that because in school, I was like, what is this? <laughs> no, I'm cool. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> My roommate said, me too. <laughs> Math. Um, she did ask, being a professional in STEM is exciting and rewarding, but sometimes I imagine it can be trying and there's no true endpoint to research. What keeps you motivated? Uh, so I'm going to start with the no true endpoint to research. One that actually makes research cool because it means you're always discovering. There's always going to be that next thing that you discover. And one of my um, committee members when I was in graduate school said to me, a good project, a good thesis project is one that leaves a question unanswered. So, so there is no end, right? If you have a really good thesis project, there's a question at the end of it, okay, what do we need to discover next? So not having an endpoint is actually not a bad thing because it means there's always something new that we can discover. Um, it is trying. I, I was saying earlier, you have to have a thick skin when it comes to, or it can be trying. Um, you have to have a thick skin when it comes to getting funded. If I could take the funding piece out of my research, I would have the best job in the universe, period. The thing I deplore about my job is having to write grants um, to get it funded. I wish I could do my science without having to think about that. Um, so that is that is the trying part. Um, I tell my students whenever they get a rejection or, or on anything, um, you get 48 to 72 hours to sulk. And then you got to get get back to it. Right. So I do that for myself when I get a, a rejection on whatever it is. I'll call my friends, complain about it. My friends who are in the field, call my family, complain about it. 42, 48 to 72 hours later, it's like, OK, I, I got to move on to the next thing. So, yeah. Yes. I, mean, I like how you said that. I like how you said that. Like. <laughs> Your research should have a question unanswered. That is, I don't think I've ever heard it that way. I think I've heard it, I don't know the way I've heard it, but I've heard it in a different aspect of, you know, research is going to always be there. Yeah. You're always going to be discovering. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for me, I like animals and all the big mammals have pretty much been discovered. So the only thing that's left is like insects and fish. And that's not my forte, but you know. It's still there. There's yeah. still research you can do. Um, and I think that being open to the idea that, yes, I'm going to be rejected, but I keep going, mm -hmm. right? That's that's the key. You know, a lot of people get discouraged. They don't want to do it anymore. So, you know, no one, me too. Me too. I do it the same thing. Even with this podcast, you know, I'd be like, man, people don't be listening. People don't be paying attention. Like, how do I get more people, including family and friends? But it doesn't stop me because I need to I get to meet people like yeah. you doing stuff that that I think is super cool and needs to be talked about and needs to be shared. And you just got to keep, you know, wake up. Yeah. You know, wake up the next day. And be like, All right. How am I going to keep going? That's today? right. That's right. Yep. Yes. So uh, Black Math County says statistically significant is his language. That's your language. Love it. Not mine. Um, and Lim said, always leave them wanting more. I mean, that's that's the truth in science yeah. and outside of science, right? So uh, thank you guys again for everybody who's doing all the chats, all the questions, comments. We got like 15 more minutes. Keep it coming if you want to, but we're going to go ahead and get back to Dr. Delk and what she's doing. Um, so we have talked about the research you're doing. We talked about the arts for science that you have. What do you do outside of your work? Go to the dance studio. And again, let me, and, and let me say why, why I say that. It's, um, it's my, I don't even want to call it work-life balance because I really, really, really love my job. It's just that it's another thing that I love to do and the people. So I have my what I call my dance fam, the people that I'm around. I just love seeing them and being around them. 
So anytime I can, I have time to go to the dance studio, that's what I do. And then outside of that, I do have a social life. I have friends. We go to happy hour. We go to parties. <laughs> we go to Essence Festival. You know, like so. So um, so I hang out. Also, um, that's what I do um, outside. I wish I could travel more. Um, I was telling you, you know, one of my relatives is is overseas right now. That is like the the consummate traveler. And um, I'm still working on getting my passport. I, my friends are so irritated with me because there's there's a passport uh, office on my campus, and I still have not just walked and got my <laughs> fill out my paperwork to get a passport. But I wish I would I could travel more. That is something I'd like to fit into my schedule is is um, traveling. But yeah, it's um, dance when I have time. I like to paint um, and be with my friends and my family. That's dope. Um... So I'm black woman to black woman. I'm gonna scold you because <laughs> doing grants is way more paperwork than doing than filling it out for a passport. So I'm gonna need you to go ahead and get your passport. You know what? I and I've been I, it, yeah. I'm gonna do it. I am gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I am because me and my cousin we want to go overseas. There are so many places on Instagram that'll pop up in my feed that are so beautiful um, that I yes. want to go see. And I just need to get a passport. I will tell you though, I've become gun shy about traveling since COVID. I'm a little nervous, but um, mm -hmm. but my cousin gives me, she's so inspiring. She travels so much and she's so inspiring. So she's been fine. So I, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me say, get your passport. Uh -huh. Yes, passport. <laughs> Um, and just, you know, it's, it's hard. I know, I know it's hard when it's, you know, research is important and timely. Yeah. You have to make sure things are going at the right time yeah. and, um, taking time off from what you love is super hard, Yeah. but, uh, the research is going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you can travel, yeah, can travel. Yeah. and as, as someone who traveled in her twenties and someone who's traveled in her, her you know, thirties, <laughs> you know, um, you're more comfortable on a plane when you're younger. When you get older, you're like, I got to stand up. I got to no. walk around. <laughs> I no, gotta but move. I so I'll tell you where I want to go. So random, but it came across my Instagram feed. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it right. The Almafi Coast, Almafi Coast in Italy. It okay. is so beautiful. And I was like, that's where I want to go. That I want to go there. So yeah, we'll see. I started looking up package deals and things. So We'll see. Yeah, I there's there's so many places that I want to go. Um, uh, I know I'm not gonna say it right, but Mariatis or Mariatis, it's like an island off the coast of Southern Africa. Ah, it just looks so beautiful, so beautiful, and they speak French there, which I do not speak, but I will go, and someone hopefully can translate for me. <laughs> yeah. So Lim said this is. This has truly improved with travel, yeah. And time is flexible, but not forever. That's true. a good one. Very yeah, time true. is flexible, not forever. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> the Black Math Academy says, or says, movies about biological sciences. Have you ever critiqued their accuracy? Um. So not necessarily movies, and I'm going to tell you why. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of all things um, like science fiction. So I like to. I like the fantastical and the, you know, I'm a huge like X-Men fan, mm -hmm. X-Men mm -hmm. fan. I'm a huge like DC Marvel fan. I, I, I just anything where somebody's flying around and doing stuff that is not, you know, real. I'm <laughs> into that. But I will tell you, it's funny um, on TV shows, some of the like NCIS and things like that, when they pronounce things incorrectly, it just makes me cringe because I'm like, I know you have a consultant on this show to tell you how right. to say that word right. So that is the critiquing I do is the if they don't pronounce something correctly. <laughs> That's funny. And you know, I had, I'm not going to say their name, but I had a professor in undergrad, PhD, teaching us biological sciences that was mispronouncing the word. <laughs> And this is a professor. So, you know, I can only imagine that their consultants are probably <laughs> PhD <laughs> professors who have been mispronouncing it their whole career. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this professor was like, Do you want to teach the class? Because I kept being like, um, That's incorrect. That's incorrect. <laughs> 
So yeah, I can see that. Um, so Marvel over DC. I am a Marvel fan. Thank God. Yeah, okay, because DC kind of I'm a Marvel fan. Yeah, I'm a Marvel fan. I will right, tell you, you know, it's funny. So I'll tell you, I got emotional, really emotional um, in Wakanda Forever uh, when, like, you know, with the science and that, and when she was trying to, I, I guess, what it was it, re recreate the the um, flower? The, the, leaf, the, the flower leaf. for and, and like yeah. structure. And I literally almost started crying. I was so attached to that. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a trip. That movie, yeah. especially the very beginning of the movie, I think people in the theater was like, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I get uh -huh. it, I get it, you know, yeah, you know. But they honored him well. Yeah. They honored him very well in the movie. Um, Lim has traveled everywhere, probably as as I know Lim, and he has traveled all over the place. And y'all talking about Marvel, yes, and NCIS. <laughs> I think NCIS and those types of shows are hilarious because <laughs> um, I just be like, especially, uh, oh my God, what was the uh, CSI? Uh -huh. I've always thought CSI was hilarious because I'm like, you guys don't carry guns and chase the bad people. <laughs> you literally only get the samples and test it. That's well, your whole job. What I have to tell people is, is the, especially like kids coming into my lab, Science does not take 45 minutes. It takes years. No. And how they solve and get the, their, every time they do an experiment, it works the first time. And so right. with her mass spectrometer, like everything works perfect. Her samples are perfect. I'm like, it is not realistic. <laughs> it's not how this no. works. No, so, I was in, I was at University of Connecticut, went into the, they have a really big forensic laboratory up there. I went in there to look at it. It is a white room with a couple of machines. <laughs> That's it. And it is a world-renowned facility. And yeah. I was just like, <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> like, oh, is this it? Uh -huh. oh, okay. This, this is, <laughs> sure. It is not what it is on television. <laughs> so um, what I have a personal question, ever since I've seen your photo and I've seen you on the video, is, man, your skin and your hair. Yeah, that is amazing. I don't understand. Like, how is this so smooth? So, and look, under these braids, I got really short hair, and it does not look like that. Look, so. let me tell you something. The skin is whatever filter is on this camera. <laughs> That's the skin. It's whatever filters on this camera. And then uh, with the hair, um, it, I I have my mom's hair texture. So, yeah. Okay, you you can you can say it's the filter, but your picture online too is the exact same thing. It is just smooth chocolate, and I'm like, wow. I, and Chalia said, and you got amazing white teeth. Yeah, and you smart. Like I just, it's just, you know, oh, I'm glad you're not anywhere near me because that's me. That's super competition, and I. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. But offline, yes. I'll tell you. Well, actually, I guess I can tell it here. So I'll tell you the products that I use that um, I love is uh, Design Essentials. I don't know. Maybe you have okay. to cut this part off because it might be, you know, we're not endorsing <laughs> them or anything. But Design Essentials has really good hair care products for natural hair. And Cantu, oddly enough, a lot of people don't like Cantu, but I do. And then there's a company called, um, I'm going to say it wrong. I think it's Ta Talia Wajid. Talia Wajid. I'm probably okay. saying it wrong, but like if you, saw, if, you if you saw it, you would be like, oh, okay, that's what she's talking about. I'm sure it, it's Talia Wajid. I'm, I'm sure is how you pronounce it. So they, those are the three lines. Like I was a hair, a, what do you call it? Um, product junkie for a really long time. So I've tried everything and, and it, mm -hmm. until I could find the products that work for me. And um, my cousin is natural as well. And so she used to get the curl box it used to be something called curl box where they would come, it would come with a bunch of products in it that you like for natural hair that you could test and then whatever she didn't use, she would mail it to me. So then I would use, you know, so that I've, I've tried everything under the sun until I kind of figured out, you know, what works for my hair. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause yeah. that's why I got braids in. Cause right now, you know, I cut it off in anger and all that stuff and it looked nice the first time I, when it first uh -huh. was cut and then as it started growing i was like 
it really is just finding it's finding the products because i tell you it's funny because i'll I, I i probably is now at this point like most of my friends are natural now at this point and everybody has their own regimen you know i have i've like i said i'm a product junkie and i'll you know there'll be times i'll try to deviate from what i normally use and I'll bring some mm -hmm. product home. It doesn't work on my hair at all. So then I have another friend. Her hair is like a looser pattern. So I'll be like, girl, this is for your hair texture. And I'll give <laughs> it to her. Okay, I'll take it. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah, Lynn is saying, you know, beauty and brains for the both of you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. And is, you're saying the product is called Waleed? No, it's... I don't it know. Begins, I no, it begins with the... It's two. It's a two word. Um, and I think it, and okay. it should be... Black owned, I think it's a woman that owns it, black woman, Talia Wajid. I'm pretty sure is what it is. But like I said, if you type it in or you go into any beauty supply, you'll see it. All right. Yeah. And we'll we'll end with this question for the Black Math Academy. Since we're talking about hair care products, what are some of your thoughts about them having carcinogens uh, and damaging yeah. black women's hair? So um the relaxers now, right? There's a the class action lawsuits because mm -hmm. of the relaxers and i think god dog that just hurts my heart because i relaxed my hair for many many years i went natural maybe about 20 something years ago but up until then i was relaxing my hair and i think about and they are um, um attributing it to fibroids and you know a lot of black mm -hmm. women have fibroids and and it's like god dog and, and uterine cancer and cervical cancer and all this kind of stuff now so um it kind of makes sense. Um, and it's funny because I've even thought about trying to make my own products for my hair because I do in the back of my mind, thank God, you know, I use these products, you know, what could be possibly seeping into my scalp and getting in my bloodstream. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I have actually thought about, I just, and I've gone online and looked up recipes and what kinds of products, you know, what kinds of things like mixing aloe with, shea butter with mm -hmm. coconut oil, you know, and trying to come up with my own um, products, because I do think about that now. Since since they started the class action lawsuit with the relaxers, I started thinking about even the natural hair care products. Could there be something mm -hmm. in it that could not be good for our system? Right. And, and you know, I personally, I will just say America is not that great on regulations <laughs> compared to other countries with stuff that we use in product and food. So um, I wish I had time, energy to really dive into my own kind of stuff and like doing that type of recipes and stuff. Yeah. I have a toddler, so it's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to use somebody's okay. product. Let me tell you, <laughs> if I come up with the recipe, I'll, I'll send it to you, Kat. Because um, I really, Please. I'm, because I'm, I, I look on the back, I've started looking kind of like on the back of the, of the products, but I feel like. I feel like I can make my own. I feel like I can go into Sprouts or Whole Foods or something and, you know, get a get some aloe and, and you know, mm -hmm. like I said, okay, butter and stuff and, and see if I can, yeah, see if I can. Please let me know. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the product you were saying, Shalia said, is Atlanta-based company. That sounds right. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And let us know we can collab. If, so this is for the whole audience. If you go back on my podcast, there is another phenomenal black woman that I have interviewed who works for a world-renowned hair care product service. And there is a version of hair care that she worked on that she's she's amazing. And then um, yeah, and and I and I interviewed someone from Colgate for ah. toothpaste, and they were talking about that too. So, but that's on you. You guys gotta do your homework, go back <laughs> on the podcast, do it. Um, we are closing out on an hour, so I, I wanna let Dr. Nitt. Dr. Nikki Delp, say any last things that she want to say before we head out. Um, thank I. I just want to say thank you for having me. This was fun. Um, when you said it, I when you said it was going to be an hour, I was like, oh god, and it, and I'm like, dang it, we're done, dang. So, <laughs> so thank yeah. you, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, and thank you all for joining in, having these amazing questions and comments in the chat. Thank you for everyone who joined us live on Facebook and YouTube and for whoever's going to be listening to this later on as a podcast on all major networks. Thank you for joining us on this great Wednesday night and have a good night.
Bye.